0: everyone, and welcome to Joy Guest, a video game and movie podcast. I'm Russ, he's Steve, and we wish you a happy Valentine's Day on this February 14th, 2023. We're going to be catching up with each other before going into our topic of the day, which is the Super Bowl movie trailer reactions. But before we do, make sure you click on that subscribe button as well as that notification bell. That way you will not miss a single solitary episode of Joygasm that drops once a week, each week. Steve, I think uh, first and foremost, Mm. it is important to once again wish you a happy belated birthday, good sir. Thank you, Russ. Another trip around the sun, around the moon. Around the moon, huh? Around the Milky Way. Indeed. And back. Indeed, Steve. Indeed. All the planets did a once-over and around. And up and down. Do the back again. Did they do That's right. Did you do anything fun for your uh, birthday? I had peace and quiet, which was fantastic. Whoa. Ate a lot of food and a bunch of R&R, Russ. You know, I I actually did have a workout. I got a workout in, I will say. I was feeling swole by the end of the day. (laughs) I wanted to feel young, Russ. Well, that's good. So, yeah, I got my burn on. That's good. That's actually a a nice kind of action or or, uh, reaction some kind of um activity to do when when one turns uh a year older yeah that's very good did, did your wife get you anything for your birthday steve mm-hmm. um she yeah well yes um but i'm gonna receive it later on what's gonna happen basically is uh, she got me something to scratch off my bucket list We are... I didn't know where that was going. I'm like, scratcher. (laughs) Scratcher. I got a (laughs) back scratcher. Uh, No, so we are going to see Metallica when they come to Dallas. I believe it's in August (laughs) or September. I forgot which which day it is, but we're going to go see them. Very fun. Now, is this going to be your first experience first. at a Metallica concert? i to see them since high school. Never seen them. Yeah. It's going to be cray-cray. I know you are a Metallica fan. <laughs> is there going to be another band uh, kind of opening for them? I assume so. I Yeah, there's going to be three bands. It's like a tour. That's like a three-day thing. But I'm not going for three days. I'm just going for one of the days. Okay, yeah. Uh, so the day that I'm going to be there, Five Finger Death Punch is going to be there. Very wholesome band. Mm-hmm. And the other one, I'm not sure. I've never heard of them before, and I can't remember their name. But you probably wouldn't have heard of them either. Probably not. Yeah. Probably not, Steve. And that's going to be a Sunday after church. <laughs> <Not> just <laughs>
1: <laughs> Is it really?
0: Uh, it's going to be in the evening, but yeah. yeah. I see. We're going to be rocking the Casbah. Well, that's fun. Cray-cray. Well, I look forward to hearing Looking about awesome. it. You'll have to tell us about your Metallica adventures once you have it. When did you say it was happening? Is it in three months? No, it's going to happen like in August, either August or September. Okay, so yeah, it's, yeah. it's a ways away. But you see that what's different now than when I was in high school mm. is when I was in high school, there was the mosh pit. <laughs> there was this thing called a mosh pit. You went to the concert. I believe they still exist. You beat on other people, they beat on you, mm-hmm. you walk away as friends. It's probably how the UFC got started. Who knows? But I never went to that. No. But now we're all uh, middle aged. Mm-hmm. talic is, I mean, they got gray hair, you mm. know, they're still rocking, uh, but it's no more of the yelling, screaming, and that much energy as it was before they still got it i mean i've seen a lot of videos of them touring around and and wherever whatnot like they still got it but it's not nearly as rowdy as it once was i understand steve so i think it's a better time to see them yeah yeah you know i always wish i could have seen them back when they had done i think they worked with michael Kamen, who's a composer. And they came out with that one album where they, they had the orchestral Steve arrangement. s and album, that's it. SM mm-hmm. album, that's right, yeah. Steve. That is correct. You got me that album for Christmas. I forgot what the year it came out, but yeah, you got me that album for mm-hmm. uh, Christmas. There, yeah. that's right. And what was funny was I—that's—I actually really got into all of the different arrangements that they did because, um, I mean, as you know, I'm, I'm very much into the movie soundtracks, mm. and Michael Kamen uh, is. One of those folks who's very talented at. That. And I, for one, really loved everything he did. Like each one of Metallica's songs, he just came up with these different harmonizing, complementary uh, threads that just kind of weaved with what Metallica has already done. And I think, too, what was really fun about that album was that you could actually hear how much the audience appreciated this new kind of a take on their favorite songs. Yeah. Pretty sweet, yeah. Did you do anything else for your birthday, Steve? Did you go to dinner? Did no. Mean, like, no, no, no. It's didn't even leave it the house. Simple. It's simple. It's simple. Yep. Mm-hmm. That's it, Russ. That's, it. Yeah, that's good, Steve. That's good. Anything else going on with you? Did you get me something for my birthday, Russ? No. Oh, huh. no, That's nice. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Russ. <laughs> 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 yeah. I don't believe I did. No. <laughs> <laughs> the thought seemed to pass my mind. I don't know. Happy freaking birthday, Steve! Thanks. That's right. Means a lot. Got <laughs> one from you. I'll. Uh, I'll take you out to dinner. Okay, your choice. Do wherever you want to go. Ah, shucks. <laughs> oh. Yeah, (laughs) Just as long as it's fast food. Uh, (laughs) You know, I can't remember uh, the Italian place we went to. Was Mm. that for your birthday or was that for your wife's birthday? That was mine because I hadn't been there. Okay, so I think that was the last place I took you for your birthday, which I think was last year, actually. Ah. Well, Hmm. you'll have to pick out a spot, Steve. Make it happen. Hmm. What else is going on with you, Steve? Gee whiz, Russ. I missed the entire Super Bowl. I am so surprised about that. Yeah. It is what it is. I went back, though, and watched so far. I mean, I haven't watched the entire—I I still want to watch it. I uh-huh. mean, I, I know what happened. I yeah. mean, I know, I know yeah, who yeah. won. I keep, it's kind of hard to avoid that. So I still want to go watch it, though. Mm-hmm. Um, but I watched the halftime show. And that was kind of a waste. I thought I was, like, eh, yeah. Mm. But you know who brought it? Who brought it, Steve? This the the sign language person for <laughs> Rihanna. <laughs> it sounds funny, but I was like, I didn't know if, if the halftime show had already happened yet, and so I was looking through YouTube, and that's what was playing. And this girl like brought it. She was way more entertaining. I mean, it wasn't just her like just signing whatever you know what sure. Rihanna was singing, but she was getting into it. And, and she's she's deaf.
1: And, wow. and,
0: and it's beyond, I mean, she, she can't hear the music. Mm-hmm. She could just read the lyrics. And so she's reading the, I'm, but she was spot on. She was anyway, um, uh, craziness. She brought it. She was way more entertaining than actually what Rihanna brought to the stage. In okay. my opinion, she was off the hook. Yeah. Well, that's fun. We actually never, we didn't watch the halftime show, uh, because we had our eight-year-old daughter, um, oh, yeah. and uh, in this day and age, the halftime shows mm. are really no longer family friendly. Mm. So we were uh, glad to, it was. It was really funny. We so we were watching the Super Bowl. We turned the TV <laughs> off for like twenty minutes, and suddenly, like, we start seeing like all like like this deluge of like different reactions about the halftime show on social media, and just, you know. The, the, the different types of uh, hijinks that were on display uh, at certain points, I was like, yeah, glad my daughter didn't see that because uh, that's what we call inappropriate. Mm. So, yeah. So tonight I watched some of the other halftime shows of the past, Ooh. such as the halftime show of 1993. Oh, that one is one of the best. Yeah. That was Michael Jackson. That's right. Man, you go out there and he stood there for about three minutes straight just looking at whatever he was looking at. Maybe yeah. he had his eyes closed. You never know because he had the sunglasses on and the crowd would just go like, oh, my God, <laughs> you know, sort of thing. And he just pumped up the crowd just by standing there. Yeah, I mean, I just wonder what kind of show today with the amount of money that goes into it and the fireworks and the camera angles and the high-def video and the sound because his music was there, of course, and his dancing, everything was there. I mean, fans surround... I mean, the fans coming out of their seats and... But, like, there would be a firework, but it would be, like, two sparklers going... (laughs) Yeah, you know... (laughs) Sort of thinking, Like <laughs> that's what he got, you know. And, and then, I mean, pyrotechnics are we're not uh, what they are today. It was nuts, but I, I just wondered, like tiff, mm, today's budget, today's effects, everything, technology. Man, what that show yeah. would just be incredible. If you did you watch the one with Prince? Not yet. No, they're so I, they're all on YouTube. I'm going like one by one by one. Okay. I I'm at two thousand. Uh, I skipped around. I didn't yeah. watch them all in like chronological order, but uh, I think I'm on the Coldplay one now. Okay, I remember that. Anyway, uh, so, and that's really, I mean, there's there was times, that, uh, there's, you know, there's always going to be some division every year, but like back then there was, seemed to be very little of it. Well, I would say back in the day, whoever it was that was performing the halftime show, everybody was just really excited to see. And, right. and I think part of that is the fact that you had these legendary music, you know, musician. Yeah. I can't even, yeah. I can't yeah. even. Yeah. I can't musical even, people. Musical people. <laughs> no, you, you just had these, these uh, legendary uh, musicians that when they decided to do the halftime show, it was like their their music just spoke for themselves. They didn't need all the extra bells and whistles in order to put on a great show. And so, like Michael Jackson, for instance, I remember Aerosmith performed at um, football, a football halftime show, and that, that was like a lot of fun. I'm a big Aerosmith guy. I, again, Prince was great. Um, I think it was right around the time when Justin Timberlake yeah. and Janet Jackson were performing Hashtag together. Hashtag nip slip. Y- yeah, <laughs> where I remember I, I was living in Hayward at the time, and I'm watching <laughs> the football game and watching, you know, more specifically the halftime show. And I remember that moment where he just like grabs a hold of her top and just rips it off. And I'm like, why did you do that? And and to me, what's funny is that both Justin's. Catalog and Janet Jackson's catalog stands on their own. Like, they don't need any kind of cheap thrills. Extra PR, yeah. Yeah, it's like, your music is so good. Just do your thing. Like, sing your songs, and that's enough. But then it was like, from that moment forward, it just seems like every half, not every, but like a lot of the halftime shows have this race to the bottom as to like, you know, how controversial or raunchy or who knows what, like, like just, just going down, down. And you're just like, there's more to music than, yeah. than how sleazy you can be on stage. Well, that's the thing too, is that it, there was, there's a back and forth between the NFL wanting to please the majority of fans, which have families of their own with little yeah. kids and the celebrities they get wanting to push their own agenda. Yeah, and so there's always this kind of push and pull, right? Uh, I remember, like last year, for example, I think it was it was Dre. It was, yeah, and, and everyone's going like okay, we have some, I mean, they've made some controversial music. It's supposed to be a family event, but you yeah. know, it, it could be really good or it could be really bad. And everybody was holding their breath. And then the show was actually, you know, pretty decent. I agree. I think that that was actually really good yeah. because he approached it from the standpoint of basically having each one of his protégés that like he helped get into the right. big leagues do like a number or two up on stage. I like that. I thought that was great. I thought right. that the music selection was fantastic. And that's why I, that's why I corrected myself earlier, saying, okay, it's not like every single halftime show since the Justin Timberlake and Janet Jackson was bad. There are, there are a sprinkling of ones that are, are actually very good. But yeah, I, I think overall, we're just in this new space where things that typically in the past were traditionally just family-friendly, they're just not anymore. And as a result, I know I speak from, for my wife and I, we take more of a defensive stance um, just simply because we can't trust what may pop up on the on the screen. And you know, if that happens, then it's too late. So it is what it is. But I ended up watching the Super Bowl myself. Ah. It was a good game. Overall, <clears throat> really, really good. I was disappointed that the 49ers were unable to make it to the Super Bowl. And so I was rooting for the Chiefs as a result because the Eagles beat the 49ers. And I was glad to see that, that uh, you know, the Chiefs won. And what was nice, though, is that overall the game was very close. Yeah. It, it was a very entertaining game. It wasn't like you had like one team just <laughs> scoring like mad and the other one has like <laughs> one touchdown. How did you guys get here again? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. But so, I mean, overall, it, it was a lot of fun to be able to, to watch Super Bowl. I always liked Super Bowl. I always enjoyed. I'm not. I'm not like some diehard football fan, but like I feel like it's just just fun to be able to tune in and enjoy the show, Russ. Yes, Steve. When we were kids, you could really throw a Nerf football. Well, thank you, Steve. I appreciate that. Remember a time back in the day, we had a Nerf football. Mm -hmm. Not paid by Nerf, but Nerf is awesome. We'll say that. <laughs> Not sponsored by Nerve. Not sponsored by Nerve. We had the Nerve. It was like a screamer, is what yes. it was, or something. And it had this device in the middle of the football that just caught the air. Or, or, or was it the whistler? I don't know if it was the whistler or the screamer, but it was loud. The yodler. <laughs> <laughs> Got it. Hey, yeah, is, that's cool. This is actually kind of fun. <laughs> Your kids can do it too. And. <laughs> um, <laughs> Anyhow, we were throwing that football. My my throws would always make the football go. Wee, wee, wee. Yours would go throw a spiral or two, mm-hmm. or three, or ten. Mm. It's fun to throw the football around. The old pigskin, the old foam Nerf. Yeah, Anyhow, not so much as it's made out of pigskin for those Nerf. Footballs. So you threw it hard and fast and spirally. Yes. So fast and spirally, I couldn't catch it on time. You caught some, what are you talking about? Referring to one instance, Russ, Ah. where the spiral hit me in the nut sack. (laughs) The sack of nuts. The wedding tackle, Russ. Uh. The plums. (laughs) The bits and pieces. You had me down for the count for a good five minutes. (laughs) Twig and berries. And you were standing over me laughing. I still remember, I was on fourth grade, Russ fourth grade. Anyhow. So what you're telling me is that your nuts hadn't dropped yet. Although, no, they dropped, they got sucked back up (laughs) for nourishment, (laughs) like we don't want to be down there anymore, it's too dangerous. In your situation, you had a mustache when you were in sixth grade, so maybe they were in the process of dropping Uh, by the time you were in fourth grade, Steve. Anyhow. Nice little Easter basket you got there, Steve. And my football days are over.
1: (laughs) Any wishes and aspirations? I actually forgot about Mm. that.
0: I haven't, Russ. Mm. Tragedy struck that day. Well, I'm sorry, Steve. I did not mean to do that. I uh, I know. I was just trying to throw a a good good football. Yeah, you did. Indeed. I have also been playing more of Dead Space Remake. The space that has died. Indeed. If you missed that previous episode of Joygasm, which was the one before this one, we go into our hands-on impressions of that, so I encourage you to check that out if you have not done Mm. so. Already, I was looking at where you left off, which, based off... Of when you were streaming last, it looks like you were about to. Well, I, you you did try to take on a rather larger, gnarly creature, and uh, looks <sighs> like he he made quick uh, quick use out of you and ended mm. you. So I have actually caught up to where you are, Steve. Mm. We are now literally at the same part of the game. Mono e. None have. Yes, indeed. Unless you've been playing more of it, and I just don't know. No. No. I have not. Well, we're both <laughs> on chapter four then, Steve. Nice. Chapter Quattro. Engineering our way through it. Indeed. With um, Isaac. Isaac, yes. Mm-hmm. Chris Isaac. Yes. No. no, no. <laughs> what <a> wicked game <laughs> it is! Your, your, your character starts spontaneously uh, bursting out into song. Man, all the creatures are like. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Ross. Yes, indeed. Is there anything else new with you, Steve? That's it, Ross. Is well, we let's get right to the topic of the day. Well, we should indeed, Steve. So as a part of the Super Bowl, it is customary, as everyone knows, that the commercials are actually worth watching as opposed to the other 364 days of the year, in which case just about all of the commercials are forgettable and people can't reach for the mute button fast enough. However, on the days of the Super Bowl, That's a bit of the uh, opposite experience. So what we're going to be doing is actually talking about five of the movie trailers that got shown over the course of the Super Bowl itself. So we're going to be starting off with one that I am supremely excited about, which is The Flash. Hmm. And so we finally, finally got to see footage of The Flash doing his thing getting a kind of a, a teaser of his abilities of being able to like, you know, go back in time, be able to like jump into, um, you know, parallel realities or the multiverse basically. And by far the the, the biggest moment of, is the, the reveal of Michael Keaton donning the cape and cowl once more. And not only that, but then even hearing him say one of his most famous lines from the Tim Burton film, which is, I'm Batman. I can't tell you how many times I've watched that trailer. I remember <clears throat> I even texted you, like, the moment after it ended <clears throat> and uh, sent you a link, and I think I put in caps lock. Cannot wait. So You did. Russ. Definitely looking forward to that. I mean, th- there was so <clears throat> much to love about what I saw in this trailer. The fact that we are revisiting different types of situations like the, for instance, the whole man of steel side of things where we're in once again, seeing general Zod and it seems like Barry is messing with what's going on. Because if you recall in the trailer, one of the lines he says is he tried to, he basically got rid of all the metahumans in a certain reality. And I think it may be the one that general Zod is in where he just starts laying waste because there is no more Superman. There is, you know, basically he. There's, there's no other kind of uh, superhero to be able to defend Earth. And so it's probably going to be one of those like oopsie-daisy moments that Barry has. And I think that may be kind of like the the catalyst for bringing in Supergirl at that point in time. Yeah, I remember they were going to bring in Supergirl a while ago and they canned the project. So maybe they took that or pieces of that and brought it to here. Never know, Russell. I'm feeling very uh, Spider-Man No Way Homey. Yes. and this one a bit. Yes. Here, here's my thing, Russ. Here's what I'm going to say. I like the trailer. Mm-hmm. You better. I liked it a lot. But there's something that I've been thinking about that's been haunting me since. What has been baking in your noodle, Steve? I don't know how to say it nicely, Russ, so I'm just going to say it. You never do. I think they're they're selling the Keaton Batman mm-hmm. instead of selling the flash by himself, right like if they just showed the movie the, the movie of the flash and then saved like the Michael Keaton thing to the end mm-hmm. it would be like, oh I mean which would be just like a, a, a really exciting but I but that was the pivotal point in the trailer. Like I saw when he stepped forward and, you know, he got lightning and stuff and he's like fast and quick and blurry and whatever time, <laughs> space continuing. I'm like, okay, cool. Yeah, I get it. I get it. I get it. And I'm and I'm happy that they're making that the movie and I'm happy they're making it. The, I see to see the trailer and then, but everything changed when Michael Keaton went on screen, you know, you hear the, you see his face, you hear his voice, mm-hmm. you hear the Danny Alpha music kind of, you know, was mm-hmm. playing in the background. So, and that's when everything changed, but it came to be like, Oh my goodness. I want to see Michael Keaton be Batman again and what he plays in the movie versus seeing more of The Flash. Mm-hmm. And that's what has me kind of cautious, if you will. So I didn't necessarily have that same reaction because there were multiple moments throughout the trailer that really got me geeking out over the situation. Like right. there was the moment where Barry all of a sudden runs into another version of himself. Right. Those are always fascinating to me. I remember watching back to the future and how Marty would run into another version of himself, or you have doc who'd run into a younger version of himself. Even his girlfriend would would run into an older version of herself. Sure. So like, I I don't know any, any time that Hollywood plays around with those types of encounters, it always fascinates me because my mind just thinks about the, what if like, like, how would would I react in that kind of situation? And not to mention, like, what are the the butterfly effects of what can go on if you tamper too much with either the past or the future or even going into um, other multiverse realities? And so, I mean, like, for me, like, that was a really cool scene. The fact that they revealed, once again, that, like, in the instance where he wants to try and save the reality that has his mother still alive, he's willing to go to these crazy extremes to make sure that that nothing bad happens maybe that's part of why he tampers with getting rid of all this, the the humans in a desperate attempt to try and keep her alive but then in doing so he ends up like putting that entire reality into peril or maybe there are multiple realities that have a domino effect you just don't know so like these kind of time travel stories are always ripe for like some very juicy tense situations that I look forward to. And I love the fact that also they brought in, for instance, like the man of steel, like you see the return of general Zod, you see it. So it's not just like, Oh, here's, here's flash. And he's in like the, uh, Michael Keaton world of Batman, though. That is a component of it. But I think that that, especially considering the fact that this was kind of like the first official teaser trailer, it makes me wonder who else is going to be in that movie? Even if it's just a cameo. In fact, Mm -hmm. I went on to Instagram um, and went to Michael Uslan. If you recall, he's the executive producer on every single Batman movie. Mm -hmm. I saw him give uh, a lecture at Comic-Con actually in 2019. And, I simply, I simply said, after watching the trailer, I said, okay, now the only question is, will Christian Bale have a cameo in this film? And he liked my comment. Mm. So, of course, it remains to be seen if that is actually a thing or not, but... As far as I can tell, it just seems to me that James Gunn, who has taken over as basically like the the, the chief creative officer of the DCU, he is most likely going to be using this film as the reset in order for him to be able to basically exercise his vision of what he wants to have happen within this entire universe. And Barry is the, the guy to do it because he has the, 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 um, the ability, basically, by going as fast as he can and doing certain things, he can basically reset stuff. I mean, he, he can go back to the beginning of time. I mean, like the Flash as a character has really caught my attention just within the past handful of years, I want to say, because prior to that, it's like I only knew him as like, OK, he's fast. And that was that was the extent of my knowledge of it. But I have a friend who I worked with um, about, you know, let's say three or four years ago. He's the staunch Flash fan. And he really started to talk to me and explain about, like, what other types of abilities he has and how he really is, like, this key component in DC Comics in terms of, like, how basically, like, he's always having to try and fix stuff all the time. Like, like, and as a result, like even like his, his sanity is really on edge because he has basically bumped into so many variations of people and how, like, like if he doesn't, basically it's like, it's like the whole butterfly effect gone awry. where are like, he's trying to fix this over here and then he fixes that, but then it causes this problem over here and he has to go over there and do that sort of thing. So, I am also wondering if we are going to be seeing, I, I, and again, I'm not like an, an expert in the, the Flash comics, but I know there's like an evil Flash. And I, I don't know if if, if uh, he goes by the name Reverse Flash or if there's another name, but I'm wondering if the other Barry that we see in this movie will become the the other Flash that becomes like the evil Flash based off of Whatever kind of like convictions and sacrifice they have, a difference of opinion or whatever else. again, I don't read the comics, so I don't know. So my hope is is that this film will be ripe with all kinds of things that will both tickle kind of the cameo fancy, but also too won't gloss over any kind of really deep philosophical time travel, space time continuum questions and that sort of thing. You know, they're gonna have three active Batmans then. Three? They're gonna have Batfleck. Mm-hmm. You're gonna have uh, the latest Batman. What's this guy's name? Oh, Pattinson. Pattinson. I was thinking Pittson. <laughs> <laughs> Pittinson. Now, is he, do you know for sure he's gonna be in The Flash? I don't know if he's gonna be, no, well, I don't know if he's gonna be in The Flash, but oh. I mean, he is an active Batman. Yeah. He's going to, they're making another movie. Mm-hmm. You know, he they're, they're continuing with his story. Yeah. So like, hey, he's an active one. You have Ben Affleck's Batman with the Justice League and whatever, whatnot. Mm-hmm. And then they're bringing in Michael Keaton. Michael Keaton might just be like, we're just doing this for this one movie, you know, sort of thing. Yeah. But if everybody is charged up with Michael Keaton and there's money to be made, they're going to probably bring him back not. Buck kicking and whatnot at his age. We'll probably use CG and whatever, but um, if he brings the cash, they'll have him back in, which means, again, three active Batmans. Well, and one of the things that DC has talked about is how James Gunn's vision for what he wants to do, that's going to be basically like the main Hmm. DCU experience. At the same time that's going on, they have a name for it, and I can't remember off the top of my head what it is, I want to say it's something like DC elsewhere, but I don't think that's right. It's it's something along those lines. They hmm. they have come up with a label that basically allows for like the Pattinson Batman films as well as like the the Joker standalone movies. Those types of films exist within this bucket that they've created that apparently has no impact or crossover to what James Gunn is going to be doing. Hmm. So Uh, that that's how those films will continue. And I think that, you know, if, if the, the second Batman film with Pattinson is a a success, I'm sure they'll do a trilogy. I'm sure Matt Reeves would love to do a trilogy uh, for that as well. So we'll just have to see, but I cannot wait for June to get here. I'm going to be, if this film, if they pull it off, like basically if it's not just a flash in the pan, we're like, Oh, here's Michael Keaton and we're done. Like, but instead, and, and the trailer definitely points in this direction of like, I think Michael Keaton is going to have a significant part in this whole film, which is awesome. Like, I cannot wait to see how this whole thing plays out. This has massive potential to be my favorite movie of the year. And honestly, there are a number of films that are on the docket this year that um, has me very excited, but this is definitely one of them. Mm -hmm. Now, the second film that I have on my list here is also... A James Gunn dealio, which is Guardians of the Galaxy three. What did you think of the trailer on that one, dude? Looks amazing. It does, mm-hmm. doesn't it? Looks a- uh, amazing. I don't have any reservations on that one. No. I uh, man, it almost looks like some of the comedy is going to be taking a backseat to the drama. Yeah. Which I mean, it's the la- I mean, if this is going to be the last movie with the 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 bunch, then yeah, there might be some drama and mm-hmm. some some extra action. There might be somebody dying. Who knows? Mm. I mean, so I'm I'm either way. I am looking forward to it and happy if, if they're going to stick with the comedy or if they're going to stick with the drama, a little bit of both. I'm happy with what I saw. I'll be happy with, I think, whatever they decide. Yeah. But, uh, I was wondering when I saw when I, when I when I knew there was gonna be a Guardians of the Galaxy trailer, I was like, what song are they gonna choose? Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, what is it? What is it? What is it? So and and of course it was kind of a remixed version of that song, but um man, it's just It's since you've been gone, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well yeah. they repeated it plenty of times, Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it's going be yeah. mm-hmm. uh, Oh yeah. <laughs> to their and, and to your point. <laughs> what's so impressive is the, the song selections they've made already with the first Guardians of the Galaxy soundtrack, mm. as well as the second Guardians of the Galaxy soundtrack. I have both of them on my iPhone. Mm. It's a wonderful compilation of old school classics. And it just goes to show like how many of them actually exist that are just like, my goodness, like this is a whole treasure trove. And, you know, if the trailer is any indication, I'm sure the the third Guardians of the Galaxy soundtrack will also be a must buy. I just, I love how this is James Gunn's magnum opus. Like, he took a property that really, arguably, no one knew about. No one knew existed, except for like, you know, the the small amount of fans that read the comic book. And single-handedly turned them into one of the most beloved groups within the MCU. To the point where like every time you see him come on, you just grin. You're sitting right. in, in the, the theater and you're grinning because like you have some of your favorite characters on screen. And I love how he was able to pull it off with the first film. And then the second film was just as good, if not better. And then it makes me really excited for the third movie. Because to, once again, to, to your point, I think there's going to be some really funny moments because that that's just part of, of their chemistry. But also, too, I think there's going to be a lot of heartfelt moments. Right. There's probably gonna be some tragedy And I don't think there's going to be, at least for the foreseeable future, any kind of other Guardians of the Galaxy films, right? Most likely. Maybe, maybe not. Who knows? Yeah. But but they did utilize every second of that trailer to show something cool and epic. And it wasn't... Yeah, there was a lot of action, but that was a lot of really cool action. It was, Ugh. yeah. Such a visual spectacle. The colors really just leapt off the screen. The, the compositions were amazing. I mean, everything is so creative and full of imagination. I, I just really love how this world of Gardens of the Galaxy has come into the silver screen the way it has. And even all the new characters. I mean, we've got some kind of like it looked like an otter or weasel or something that that like looks like it's a friend of rocket raccoons. Yeah. That looks so cool. And and even the villain, the villain looks really interesting. And there were some other like weird alien creature things too. It just, it's such like this fun sandbox that he created and like the casting is so sublime One of the things that I'm looking forward to is um, understanding how Gamora came back. You and I were discussing that after we watched the trailer about how in Avengers Infinity War, we saw Thanos throw Gamora off the cliff in order to um, obtain the Soul Stone. And unless I'm forgetting something, like I don't think she had any means of coming back. I mean, if you recall, that's why Star-Lord lost his temper when they were trying to get the gauntlet off of Thanos and he ends up punching Thanos in the face and that's, you know, the rest of the the heroes couldn't like hold on to him that sort of thing. Right. But I don't recall. I mean, oh, you know what? Uh, yes, Ross. I remember. I remember. Remember. Essentially, you had um at the end of Endgame, they all came back. Yes. That's what it was, essentially. Like like they were able. It was, it was before Tony Stark did the, did the snap. But but essentially, if you recall, they were able to bring back all the the folks who were turned to dust. Remember that that big yeah. But she moment? wasn't turned to dust though. She that's true. She wasn't turned. She was thrown off the cliff. Mm, back so yeah, to confusion. Back to confusion again. <laughs> I thought I had remembered correctly, but. Yeah, like because both Black Widow and Gamora I don't think were a part of that equation. Fertilizer. So that leads me to believe the only other thing that comes to mind is that perhaps when Tony Stark did the snap to have everything go back the way it was. Oh! That was a... I think he sneezed the last show, too. I might have. That's what happens when you bang your wrist on the table. Somehow it just elicits a sneeze. Allergic to wrist banging on glass. Allergic to pain. (laughs) Anyway, that is a good question. Yes. However... What's really funny is I don't feel cheated by seeing her back. I'm actually really happy to see her back. Right. I don't think I would feel the same way if it was Black Widow with with a hawkeye. You right. Know, I think that would have been too much of a cheat. In her situation, though, it's like, you know, I'm glad she's back. I, I can I like that. I remember when we were talking about uh Endgame when they swapped uh Gamora for or Black Widow for Gamora. And even before then I was like, man, I, I really liked Black Widow. I probably could have like, you know, given up Hawkeye, but I really wanted to keep Black Widow. And then I'm like, ah. Oh. And then I thought they, they swapped with Gamora. Like, no, I'll take Gamora. I don't want Black Widow. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, it's, I mean, that that, that it is kind of irking me a bit to like try and remember how things went down. Because I know they did the time travel thing in Endgame. Yes. Which had both Black Widow and Hawkeye going to that cliff, and then they had the whole, no, I'm going to go, no, I'm going to go, and then Black Widow ended up sacrificing herself so that Hawkeye could get the Soul Stone. If he did that Mm -hmm. before Gamora, before Thanos and Gamora got there, is that? They might allude to it in the Ant-Man movie. Either that or when when Guardians of the Galaxy 3 comes out, I'm sure they'll have some kind of flashback or they'll they'll explain something. I just keep thinking that there is something that has already explained it, but I just can't put my finger on it. Hmm. What about a toe? I don't know. Maybe an elbow? Yeah. I'm not sure. Earlobe. The next trailer is Fast 10. Fast X. Fast X. (laughs) Your favorite. Yeah. Um, I cannot believe that they have made 10, 10 of these Fast and Furious films. These are just, this is, uh, I cannot take these movies seriously at all. They're not Um, supposed to be bent. Take seriously. But it's like the way that they market themselves, it's like they take themselves seriously. It's so melodramatic and it's all, Always the same thing of family. You don't mess with family. Like, yeah, I know. You told us that nine times before. You got anything new? But apparently, they sell like Hot cake, Steve. They, they rake in the dough. And I know that you like these movies. Excuse me. You do. I like <laughs> one, two, and three. Once it got to four, everything started to get jankified. Oh. I mean, I have watched them all. Uh huh. Like the last one they went to the moon. They I'm went like, to the moon? What are you what what's happening? Did they bring a car to the moon? Yes. Oh gosh. There's a whole thing and and I, I just I don't know. I um I'm like where's the drifting? Where's like <laughs> the cars that you hop up to make them fast and cool and you race them. Uh-huh. Why are we doing like world changing events? Yeah, uh, I just don't understand. Um, and there's too much like, oh, you guys are the only people who can help this ragtag of street racers. You know, <laughs> no one on the planet can actually get any, accomplish anything, don't you? I don't know. I so I get. I'm picking up what you're throwing down. Mm. Is it hitting you in the nutsack? <sighs> yeah, I bet it is. Boy. Nah. I don't think that ooh. one's I don't think that one's grabbing me by the ghoulies. Mm-hmm. The one thing though that does have my interest peaked is Jason Momoa. Like I know you were gonna say that if there was ever to be a villain in these Fast and the Furious films that really like, ooh, I think I'd have fun watching that, it would be him being a bad guy. And I just think... Which will probably eventually turn into a good guy. Just like Jason Statham. Just like what was uh, the wrestler dude... Dwayne Johnson. Not Dwayne Johnson. Didn't John Cena. Oh, John Cena. Well, well Dwayne, John Cena! Dwayne... Johnson was in one of the Fast and Furious he films. was. If not two. I don't know if he was in multiple or not. No, he's but. only. Well, I think, yeah, maybe... maybe, I'm, maybe <laughs> I can't remember. I, one, maybe two. Yeah. I think that was it. Didn't he turn into like a friend or ally? He he was an ally, yeah. Yeah. Um, but he and Vin Diesel Mm -hmm. are conking bald heads, yeah. That's why that's why Dwayne Johnson made Hobbs and Shaw, right? Which was a split off from Fast and the Fierce, and that's really where the feud the family feud. Really uh kicked it up, Russ. Okay, like they're they're not on talking terms. I don't know what happened, but it wasn't good. So, are you are you interested in this movie? Are you excited for this movie? I don't know if I'm really excited. I will probably watch it uh-huh. when it comes out to stream. When it comes out to stream, I don't think I'll go out to the theater really to watch it. Are you sure about that, Steve? Maybe if there's a 350z car meet outside, oh snap out! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll have to wait and see. I mean, it could very well be that we just go and check it out because everybody wants to see it, and, and you know, we'll talk about it, or whatever. All, all I'm saying is, is I think that Jason Momoa will be the highlight for me personally for mm. that particular movie if we go and see it. Yeah. But you know, we saw Brie Larson was in the film. Charlie's Theron is making a return. It's, it looks like there are probably most, if not all, of the heavy hitters that are coming back, which is interesting because it seems like that's kind of also a reoccurring pattern with these films where I think the show's creators think, yeah, this is probably going to be the last one. There's no way people are going to want to see another one. Oh, the money's coming in. Yeah, we're going to do another one. <laughs> are you good? Are you good? Are you good? Are you good? Just go on down the line. Yeah, you, yeah, yeah. You doing know anything <laughs> next year, year after that? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, the fourth trailer that we saw was Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. Now, Steve, if you recall, Indiana Jones 4, mm. which was the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Yes. It wasn't that good. It wa- I did see that, actually. Well, yeah, we we both saw it. No, we didn't. We didn't see it at the same time, but we both saw I it. I saw it, really. it, like, last week, Russ. Oh, you didn't see it back when it came out in the theater? No. You saw it for the first time, huh? Saw so it for the first time, Russ, and I will say it, yes, it was not very good, but it was still better than Temple of Doom. I literally watched all of them. Really? One after the other. And Temple of Doom still sucks. <laughs> it It is terrible. It is awful. It's not that bad. And I didn't like it whatsoever. I thought, man, Raiders of the Lost Ark. Awesome! Yeah, Last Crusade, incredible! Yeah, and they, but t- they could have easily made those both movies without Temple of Doom, uh huh, and like maybe replaced it with something else. So you mean to tell me that you think Shia LaBeouf in CG form swinging with a bunch of monkeys is better than Temple of Doom? I think you have to go back and watch Temple of Doom again. Oh, I have I own the movie. I don't I think it's I think ugh, I think it was terrible. You don't you're not a fan of Dr. Jones mm. and going through all the booby traps and like all the nasty stuff going on and everything. That's fun. It was the darkest of the three. And and I will venture to say that I do think that Temple of Doom is the weakest of the trilogy because I'm with you. I think Raiders of the Lost Ark and The Last Crusade are definitely stronger out of the three films, but it's not like there was nothing to enjoy from that second film. And when it comes to Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, like, first of all, Shia LaBeouf, had no business being an Indiana Jones movie (laughs) whatsoever. And then also the ending was so disappointing. It was was. so lackluster. You're just like, what the heck? Like like Indiana Jones is known for like the crescendo, like climax, what's going to happen? How are they going to get out of it kind of thing? And it was, it was just like, now I I do think some of the earlier stuff they showed in the movie was good. Like I, I just like the visuals of seeing Indy and, and his element that sort of thing. You know I thought the 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 scene with like the ants was a lot of fun. I'm just saying I am not saying it was like a great like it lived up to the the first movies. I'm just saying I had a bit more fun with it <laughs> than I did. It, I I just watched the Temple of Doom. I. They didn't do anything for me All right. at all. Well, you heard it here first, folks. Steve prefers Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull over Temple of Doom. Mm. Says a lot right there. However, in Dial of Destiny, what do you think of that, Steve? Well, it looks good, Ross. <laughs> <laughs> They're utilizing... All the great camera angles, yes, and dynamics, which is a very nice refresher for the, the car chase scenes, motorcycle chase scenes, whatever's gonna happen. So, that is a very good thing. My I man, I watched an interview with Harrison Ford after um, uh, Blade Runner 2049, uh-huh. and he speaks so softly now, yeah. He's like, Oh, we had a great time making that movie, you know, what's and you're going. Eh. <laughs> you know, speak a little louder. So I, I don't know how he's going to yell and hold up in this movie at all. I honestly think that he has a history of doing that in interviews, though. Like he tends to be a little more soft-spoken than the characters that he plays. So I'm sure I'm sure he'll you he will have the the swashbuckling indie character on full display, oh, but. Whippage. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I think that this movie looks like it's going to be a lot of fun. I think it, there is going to be a bit of a mental block in terms of the fact that I know, like we all know, Harrison Ford is old. I mean, he, the guy is, he's in his 70s at least. I mean, he might be pushing 80. I'm yeah. not even sure how like how old he is. He might be like 78, 79. And my hope is, is that the way that this film is shot It'll allow me just to have the suspension of disbelief so that way, you know, I'm not constantly thinking, oh, that would never happen. Even though there are scenes that like totally could never happen with someone his age. But at the same time, oh, Steve just looked it up. Harrison Ford is 80 years old, 80 smackers. On the dot. Wow. Oh. But. What is interesting about this is that it is not being directed by Steven Spielberg. That's right. It's not being produced by George Lucas. That's right. So that's a bit interesting because it, historically speaking, has always been kind of like this brainchild between the two gentlemen. Mm. And now we have people who are completely different that are uh, in the positions of creative authority. So that is going to be interesting my hope is is that they are able to harness the soul of what indiana jones is all about and and again it's difficult because in this day and age i feel like the editors for these trailers do such a wonderful job no matter which movie it is that they're doing and then and we've talked about this before about like when we go see a movie sometimes those movies don't actually live up to, like, the trailer. Like, the trailer is right. so good, and then you see the trailer, or the, the film, and you're like, huh. Yep. The uh, the uh trailer boys know what they're doing. They do. Well, let's well, just hope, Russ. Indeed. Because, um... The music they were pl- playing was obviously the Indiana Jones theme music. The fanfare, yeah. But... It did seem like they kind of stretched it out a bit. Did it seem like it was a little off to you? Like it was a, a bit um melancholy in a way. No, I d I did didn't. you pick, that. pick up on that? I kinda picked up on that a little bit. I did not pick up on that, Steve. No, no. Mm. Um No, I I do think that there are probably like different variations that they're doing on the fanfare, on the theme itself. And actually, I wonder if John Williams is composing the music for this film or not. Let me do a little a quick little searchy search for that. It has me curious, Steve. It came right up. Let's take a look on IMDb and see what we got here. Uh, I'm drinking. Oh, by the way, the villain or one of the villains um, who's. Uh, Mads uh, Mickelson. I love him as villains. If you recall, he was a villain in one of Daniel Craig's uh, James Bond movies, you know, in the Casino Royale. He was also a villain in uh, Dr. Strange, the first Dr. Strange movie. Um and he's he's also well actually he he played a protagonist in um Oh, uh, Rogue One Star Wars story. He played the dad, who was the, the, the father of the the daughter. And, you know, he ends up getting killed early on. Um, but yeah, I really like him as an actor. I think that uh, he always brings it. Antonio Banderas is in this movie, Steve, and in Indiana Jones. Hmm. I didn't even see any Antonio Banderas in the trailer, did you? That is not how you whip a whip. Let me show you how to whip a whip. John Rhys-Davies, of course, <laughs> was in it, and you know he's just absolutely phenomenal. But uh, <laughs> what? <laughs> uh, what are you doing? Antonio Banderas. Antonio. How are Antonio. You doing? Uh, okay, let me go in here. I'm actually having a little bit. Why don't you go ahead and go in there, Russell? Of a of a challenge oh, here. Really? Oh, yeah. Music by John Williams. Fantastic! He's been going back and forth quite a bit lately. With like, he is going to do a soundtrack to one of the the series of movies that he's done in the past. Or sometimes he's like, "Oh, this is the last one. I'm not going to do it." Went, oh, okay, I'll do this one over here. And he he's over ninety years old. <laughs> like, I mean, talk about a work ethic! It's amazing, Steve. Legend, living. Legend of that, Steve. Absolutely. So are you looking forward to seeing that movie when it finally comes out? I am, Russ. I think it's been be pretty big. Yeah, I definitely am getting a, a good initial reaction out of what they showed in that trailer. I think that having um, the cast they do in place as well as having John Williams in the seat for the soundtrack, that's all terrific. Really, the only question I have is will these new folks in the director's chair and the producer chair... Will they be able to do the the trilogy hmm. justice? Because I don't count Kingdom of the Crystal Skull as part of the Indiana Jones uh, film library. That was that was something else entirely. And thankfully, there will be no Shia LaBeouf in this movie. That's fine. That's great. That's fine. Last but not least, huh. is Transformers: Rise of the Beasts. <laughs> Well done. <laughs> now Transformers as a movie property I feel is a, it's kind of in this weird state because you had like like the initial trilogy that Michael Bay did. Yes. And like you know the the first Transformers movie in my opinion I thought was good. It was. The second one not so much, but Dark Side of the Moon was actually I thought really good. It was the third film definitely better. And, uh, and they were able to kind of really tidy up like what was going on within that given storyline. Sure. Then they decided to go off and do like the Mark Wahlberg. Um, hey, hey, guys, what's going on? <laughs> <laughs> this card is transforming. I don't understand. You don't do some reps? You want to do some some bodybuilding? Hey, you guys. <laughs> <laughs> you guys really shouldn't touch that because that's going to be a problem. And you don't really want to do that because it's going to make me upset. I mean, that's my tool and you can't really do that. Come on, guys. <laughs> <laughs> those were terrible. Anyway. Yes, Russ, please continue. Uh So those films were, were a bit of their own entity in the sense because <sighs> they introduced some other types of uh, well-known mm. Transformers. Yeah. But at the same time, it's like, you know, you had this whole new cast. It, it was kind of jarring because, okay, in, in my opinion, the original trilogy of the Transformers films, um, having Shia LaBeouf in those was fantastic. Like, he really anchored a lot of those films, and his personality and his acting style really fit well. So you go from that into Mark Wahlberg, and that was definitely kind of a shift in terms of, like, what we had been accustomed to. And it seemed like those particular movies, they struggled a lot with, like, having a cohesive plot that ran through all those films. Do you agree? Well, I, yes, I do. Uh, it seemed like they wanted to continue the series, but didn't know if they wanted to appeal towards the older market, which would remember and love the Transformers versus starting over with the younger market. Mm. Because I think what you're referring to with Mark Wahlberg was uh, the Bumblebee movie if I'm not mistaken. Well, so the, actually, I didn't even get into the Bumblebee movie yet. I was just thinking about the the Transformer films that had Mark Wahlberg in them. And then Bumblebee was like a standalone movie. And that was the first time that we actually saw uh, the Transformers look more in tune with like their cartoon or comic book. That was only in the beginning though. Uh, that was only like five minutes in the beginning and that was it. Well, in terms of like the epic battle, yes, but you still saw Bumblebee more or less like in that same kind of art direction. And it looks like this movie is continuing more or less in that direction as well. It's kind of confusing though, because like on the one hand you see Optimus, clearly his body type has been simplified. It looks much more blocky, looks like I said, more in line with the comic books, with um, the TV show of old. And but at the same time, it's like there's that scene where he confronts like that other uh, Transformer gorilla type, and the gorilla actually looks more advanced visually speaking, like it, almost as if it calls back to the original trilogy. Art Dinobots. Direction. Dinobots. Dinobots. I was trying to think. Gorilla bots. Not was it? Rampage. No, that's the animals. Right. What were they? Yeah, Dinobots. So anyway, that was one of the things that like I picked up on was like, okay, it looks like they're kind of eh, trying to find their their visual footing, so to speak. Having said that, though, um, I really like both styles. I mean, I for one really loved the the crazy, complex, photoreal version of what they did in the original trilogy. At the same time, like in in the standalone Bumblebee film, I really also liked what they did with making it more, you know, simplistics, if you will. Looks like they're um, like Bumblebee's not going to be. Oh, he's in it, but I mean, he's not. Maybe being more of a main character, or maybe just kind of a back stage character, supportive of character, supportive or something, or something, yeah. something like that. Yeah, Mirage, who's. Kind of taking that Bumblebee spot in like the first Transformer movie where, you know, he's the Camaro, he's driving around Shia LaBeouf, and drives Shia LaBeouf, like, I'm not driving the car, I'm not driving the car, what's going on? You know, sort of thing. And so a lot of that is happening here, of course, with Mirage being the smaller sports car yeah. quicker. And he has a voice, so mm-hmm. he's speaking, so he's not just radio dialing, although I like that. yeah, um, But... We have yet to see who else is there. There's another robot that's there. Um, You see. Transformer, Steve. um, Transformer. Yeah. You see her sticking out of the Volkswagen bus and she's shooting. I I want to see. She I want to say that she was a motorcycle. Uh, I can't remember. She looked familiar though. Yeah. Yeah. Now, one of the challenges for this film, for me personally, is because the Shia LaBeouf um, trilogy really, I mean, they explore the idea, this theme of a boy and his car, like his boy and his dream car and the relationship that unfolded. Yeah. So when I see this trailer with yet another, you know, seemingly teenage boy, maybe in his 20s, early 20s. I mean, if I had to guess, he looked like he's between like 17 to 20 years old, somewhere around there. I do get a little hesitant because I'm like, "Uh, we've already been there, done that. Like, you know, are we just trying to swap out? You know, the character is like, okay, instead of Bumblebee, we're going to go with Mirage. And instead of Shia, we're going to use this other kid. And, you know, it's going to be interesting. And it reminds me of a conversation that you and I had about how we really just want a Transformers movie that's just focused on them. Like, like stop with, like, the constant uh, meddling in Earth kind of thing, and instead let's have something that's just predominantly within the Autobots versus the the Decepticons. It just seems like they are still hung up on this whole, like, gotta gotta put in uh, a bunch of Earth stuff. Well, I think it's that. Plus, it's honestly... Not to say they're rebooting it, but they're really pushing the successful franchises to make continuations of the movies that worked before. Hmm. So I think that's what it is, too. Maybe, you know, Transformers had a bunch of money and they're running out of ideas. And so they go, well, we can start this one over halfway, maybe, with a new cast. Bring back familiar faces and see how it goes. Yeah. Yeah, I would say for me, I'm in, I'm curious. I'm interested in seeing how this movie is. I'm not right. as excited for it as the Flash or Guardians of the Galaxy right. three, um, but I do think it's mm, it's on par with maybe Indiana Jones or maybe Indiana Jones. I'm a little more excited for than the Transformers. I think if I had to rate them, I would. I would think I would go Flash, Guardians of the Galaxy. Indiana Jones, Transformers, and Fast X. What about you? Same order, but Guardians of the Galaxy first. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Overall, I mean, I think that that it was a really strong showing of of trailers, especially considering the fact that they're all slated for this year, and there are several other films that are coming out that we haven't even discussed yet, and and so my again as long as they stick to their deadlines or, or their release dates, I should say, I think that that this year will be a really fun year at the movies. The year to go back to the cinema. Indeed. Indeed. That wraps up this episode of Joygasm. Thank you so much for hanging out with us. If you enjoyed this episode, we invite you to check out patreon.com slash joygasm, where you can enjoy exclusive perks and early access to the show. Not to mention, it continues to help us financially do the podcast. Also, shoot an arrow at that subscribe button and smooch that notification bell. That way you will not miss a single solitary episode of Joygasm. It drops once a week, each week. And while you're at it, you can do a search for at TV on your favorite social media platform of choice to get behind the scenes goodness and other drops that we do that are filled with all kinds of glorious nonsense. Last but not least, do a search of Joygasm TV on Twitch to see us stream our gaming adventures live every Wednesday night at 9.30 p.m. Central Time. We look forward to reconvening with you all next week when we do the review of Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantum Mania. We'll see you then.